What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's day 25 of 30 Days of Beyond the Grid. I'm Tom Clarkson, and today we're going to hear from Alex Albon. Alex had a really strong year for Williams in 2023. The team had finished last in the Constructors' Championship in four of the previous five seasons. But Alex produced some mega drives at Canada, Silverstone and Monza, among many others, to help the team secure P7 after a much-needed year of progress under team principal James Fowles. The revival of Alex's career is huge testament to his resilience. He was without a seat for 2021 after being dropped by Red Bull. And we all know how brutal this sport can be, especially when you're Max Verstappen's teammate. And it's very easy to be forgotten about when you're not on the grid for that amount of time. It would have been pretty easy to give up. But Alex was 100% committed to keeping his Formula One dream alive. It was announced that I wasn't, that I was no longer going to be a, a race driver. Pretty late, I think it was maybe December. Absolutely, so they, they held until after the last race after of the last race, exactly. Yeah. And that, that was late for 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 me too, obviously. But you know, they still believed in me and they still trusted in me. Christian Helmut, um, everyone at Red Bull, and I and I still have a very good relationship with all of them, the people that I worked with. And on my side, it was more or less like I want to be an F1. I feel like I'm one of the most I'm the hungriest driver I know because I want to be in that sport more than anyone. How can I get back into it? And very quickly it was just, okay, I need to do the best job I can right now straight away and show my value, almost in the sense that I was just talking about. I'm not driving the car, but I need to show my value in everything outside of the driving side. I mean, the sim is driving, so there's still that. But yeah, that that was really it. And um, I went straight to work and I was... I was developing the car already in December for, for the guys uh, for the year after. And so when we went into 2021, you know, we, we, we did knock out a few things and we, we focused on some areas that made the 2020 car so difficult to drive. And then it came to Bahrain winter testing, the, th- the first three days of testing. And I don't know if you remember, but the car was quick out the blocks. I had the radio on and I was listening to Max and Checo. I was there at the time and obviously Checo was new, but Max drove the car last year and he was talking about how, how much better the rear felt, how much more stable it was. And you're just like, ah, oh, you know, it, it does hurt a little bit because you're at the same point, you're like, okay, that's great. You know, I've, I've, I feel like I've contributed to that. And all the right people within the Red Bull organization knew that it was you. 
Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, people like Adrian and Christian, they gave me a lot of credit for it. I don't want to say I helped in a, in a, in a massive amount, but of course I felt like I chipped in to the whole thing. And, um, and it, was, it was one of them things, and, and I was watching on the sidelines for the whole year. The first few races were, oh, it just, it was terrible. I, I, I was a reserve driver, so I had to go to every race, but just being there, I couldn't watch or, or anything. I was just pretty much just sitting down and yeah, trying to stay away from it as much as I could, but you kind of get used to it. You, you build the- you, How do you fill you, your time as a reserve driver when you're not driving? When I'm not driving, it, I mean, I was spending, I was spending three, four days a week in the simulator. Um, I think in, from Monaco, I, I spent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in the sim, and then I flew out on Saturday to the, to the race. So we, I was busier than I ever was, and I was doing DTM at the time too. So um, I was busier last year than I was this year in 2020 when I was actually driving. It was really full on, but all worth it. Obviously. And enjoyable? Enjoyable. In any way? It was enjoyable because I felt like, obviously, the more I got used to the fact that I wasn't racing the more I felt I'm becoming a team team player in all this. And, and of course, I guess my heart still laid it towards Red Bull and I still wanted Max to win the championship. So um, there was that element of I'm, I'm helping the team try and win this thing. And uh, I enjoyed that side of it. And I, of course, when, when Max did win, of course it was controversial, but it still felt good to me. I still felt very happy for Max for for the team and I, I felt like I was a part of it which was kind of what it was all for in the end did you ever lose faith that you'd get back into F1 as a race driver um the hunger never went and the hunger just got more and more the more that I sat watching everyone driving the more I wanted to be back in it but of course there comes a time when you just don't know what's going on and I think there was a point where you know Checo didn't have an easy time of it especially at the start of the season and there was also even Yuki, you know, because I, I turned into a driver coach. So you're thinking there, there I was could always do, there was mm. always I was like, oh, you know, there's always I can do that. Yeah, I was like, you know, there's always possibilities. You know, keep doing what you're doing. But of course, Checo was 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 doing a great job by kind of that mid to end side, and I was like, okay, well, that's that's a closed door. Yuki was also <laughs> picking it up, um, and he signed quite early as well for next year. So I was in a position where I was like, well, my chances within the Red Bull family are kind of they're not really there anymore and of course it hurts but it never stopped me from trying and um, I had a plan I had it all written down you know what what I wanted to be doing um, of course plan A was F1 and there was a few there was teams and on that list but of course one of them was Williams but then there was the inevitable plan B plan C plan D whatever it may be and um, I was looking at IndyCar actually as, as, a, as an enjoyment because I I came out of DTM and I was like, you know, I enjoyed the series. I enjoyed the people within it. I, li I loved working with my team. It was AF Corsa at the time. But I was like, I don't enjoy this, the GT racing. I don't enjoy the ABS, the traction control, all that kind of stuff. I want to drive something that I enjoy to drive. And so I was looking at IndyCar as my main plan. And there was Formula E, of course. And as time went on during the year, it looked more and more like that was the, the direction I was heading. And so I couldn't. I couldn't be silly and, and put all my eggs in plan A and then not have a backup plan. So I was still scouting. I was still, you know, asking Did questions. Did you go to an IndyCar race? Yeah, I went and I spoke to all the teams and I, and I made sure that I um, had my face shown and 
you know, had good conversations with, with teams. But of course, my heart was always in F1. And uh, I think it was Red Bull Ring, where I had a chat with Jos for the first time. Can I ask who approached who, or is that... No, that's fine. Um, that... I approached him. I gave him like a, like a CV, you know, this is... This is what, not a PowerPoint. Not a PowerPoint. <laughs> Didn't follow George's one. Uh, paper's fine. But I basically said, listen, this is, this is what I can do. I put some statistics that go in my favor, of course, as you should. And um, How receptive was Jos when you first approached him? He was great. I've always, from the very beginning, he was very interested. And, but um, they knew at that point that they were losing George, did they? I think it was, it was in that period, right? I don't really know too much, but, but yes, I, I think it was around that period. And then we just had started that conversation and, and we spoke more and more. And there was a point where George was definitely confirmed. Even if it wasn't announced, it was clearly on the way through. It went pretty seamlessly from that point on. And, and in a two-week span, the conversations just ramped up very quickly. And then by the end of the two weeks, it was all pretty much done. How exciting is that when you're living that? You know, you've been on the emotional roller coaster end of... 2020 you get yes. the bad phone call from from helmet i guess <laughs> saying it's not happening and then suddenly it's ramping up again and yeah well that's the thing is you know i still relied on christian and and helmet to help me out in crossing the line because i was still in contract with with them and it was you know this whole okay we've got a there's a lot of things that need to be moved around a lot of paperwork needs to be done and so they were very happy for me and everything clicked together and it all gelled up and the puzzles all connected and there we were, and, and um, it, it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, so much effort's gone into it. And there was like that kind of, uh, what do you call it? It's that, that calmness that, okay, we're in it. But then within, <laughs> within an hour, your mind's going, okay. That's that <laughs> Formula we go. One thing, isn't it? It's we the competitor the, in you, It isn't is, it? and it's like, right, how do I need to prepare? Okay, I need to start speaking to the team, I need to understand, speak to George, speak to Nikki, and understand it from that side. And start going into meetings and understanding the car and, and the people within the team and, and then that's it you know your mind's gone and, and you're, you're back into it Alex is one of the nicest guys on the grid he always stops to chat to us in the paddock on our F1 Nation podcast even if he's not had the best race and I'm so happy that he's been able to resurrect his Formula One career it must have been so hard to watch Max and Checo in that championship winning Red Bull in 2021 but he clearly put absolutely everything into being the best reserve driver he could be, and that hard work has paid off with the seat at Williams. We spoke to James Vowles on Beyond the Grid last year, and he's really keen to build Williams around Alex. His qualifying pace looked really strong at times in 2023, securing P4 at Zandvoort and P5 at Vegas. If Williams can sort out their race pace, I wonder if we might see Alex sneaking onto the podium in 2024. Thanks very much for listening. Just five days of our countdown to go, so I'll catch you tomorrow. Formula One is the greatest sport in the world. But there can be a lot to understand. Don't worry, we're here to help. I'm Katie Osborne. This is Christian Hugill. And welcome to F1 Explains. This is the official F1 podcast about how the sport really works. 
the drivers, the cars, the rules, the words, the risk takers, late breakers, and history makers that amaze and inspire us every race weekend. Hit like, follow, or subscribe for new episodes every Friday as we answer your questions about F1 with the help of some very special guests. Oscar Piastri, welcome for your debut on F1 Explains. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Double World Champion Mika Hakkinen, welcome to F1 Explains. That they could make up what the what are you doing, man? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? And by your side, a woman whose race strategy once made Sergio Perez cry. It's important for me to say tears of joy. Welcome back, Bernie Collins. Thank you so much. You've just not heard the crying ones from losing the race. (laughs) Susie Wolf joining us here on F1 Explains. What a joy to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me, Christian Hugill and Katie Osborne on the stage is Formula One legend David Coulthard. We'll be here across the 2024 season with current drivers and legends of the sport. Plus, insights and explanations from people you don't usually get to hear from, the unseen experts who are essential to Formula One. We need your question to put to our experts. Are you F1 Explains? (laughs) We are. love your podcast. I love F1 Explains. (laughs) Christian Newfield. And Katie Osborne. Katie Osborne. Record it as a voice note on your phone, or you can write it in an email and send it to F1Explains at F1.com. Just search for F1 Explains wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll speak to you soon. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 